0: Hey guys, I'm Jackie Brubaker, your host of That Girl, the podcast. I'm an author, performer, two-time Emmy award winner, human relationship specialist, and founder of the wellness website, loveyouevenmore.com. Each week I bring on inspiring people and experts in their field to have powerful, motivational, and enlightened conversations about relationships, self-development, and how you can live your most authentic life. Follow us for daily updates on myself and the podcast at that girl, the podcast and at Jackie Brubaker on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and our Patreon page. While you're at it, make sure to check out my new wellness website, loveyouevenmore.com. If you're wanting to dig into developing more self-worth, be healthier about relationships and learn how to date smarter, go to loveyouevenmore.com and follow us on Instagram at loveyouevenmore. Welcome Erin Hatsacostas to That Girl, the podcast. Erin is the CEO of The Authentic, Inc. She is a motivational speaker. She has a podcast. She is all the things all wrapped up into one, and she's just an awesome human being. So today we're really going to talk about being authentic and what that means and how we can all be better, be better authentic people in our lives. So Erin, I like to let people introduce themselves. So take it away, girl. So good to have you. It's so good to be here. I I actually I hate just introducing myself.
1: I have to introduce how we met. Um, okay, let's do that. We 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 met uh, about a month ago, uh, speaking at a summit of our mutual friend Renee Bauer. And I'm that girl, right? It's the it's the morning. We're all just showing up. We're going up to the quote unquote green room. Most of us don't know each other. We're like, hi, how are you doing? And I remember meeting you and I can't remember if somebody else asked you or I did. And you're like, I'm, I I sing or I'm a singer. And I was like, like for money. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, yeah, for money. And then you're like, and like, where'd you come, you know, like, where did you come in from? And you're like LA. And I was like, Oh Jesus. (laughs) So that's how we met. I mean, to describe me, I'm, um, I'm a corporate refugee. I spent 22 years in the corporate world, which I would not trade for anything. Um, I loved every bit of it, including right up to the end, but I I eventually became the CEO of the subsidiary company of Aetna called Payflex. Um, In 2016, I took over as CEO with zero credentials, sort of we'll talk about maybe sort of how I got there. Um, And I think what's most relevant to that part and in, in who I am is that I had this like insane success, not just in my career to get there, but we, we, we had a major company turnaround financially, culturally, and Jackie, I just remember looking around every so often, especially like literally when I'm at like a quarterly business review meeting and you're sitting at the table and you're like, looking to your left and looking to your right. And I was like, when am I going to be found out? Oh. And, and I see that not, not the typical like imposter syndrome that we talk about all the time. I, I didn't really have that. I had confidence. I understood the game was you, you were always doing things that you weren't really totally qualified for, but it was more about that I wasn't sacrificing as much as the people around me. Like literally, like, you know, I wasn't getting on a plane as often. I wasn't, you know, I had a friend that moved her family three times in like six years to, you know, take oh. on those kind of roles. You know, I wasn't, you know, I had people that canceled vacations because of, you know, poop hitting the fan with their business. I wasn't doing any of that. And it's not that I didn't work hard, but I kind of felt like I wasn't, you know, I had always had this view of like this equation that as you rose in the ranks, you just, you started to sacrifice more and more. Mm-hmm. And when, and then when I, I, I turned around the company, decided to leave, I won't get into that long story quite yet, but um, I just, everybody kept saying, we're going to miss, your authentic leadership. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that I was surprised they were calling uh, me authentic. I wasn't like, Ooh, who me? Like I knew, I knew I had these qualities that were a little bit different, but when I kept hearing that thread, I was like, Oh, it's, it's not that I'm going to be found out. It's actually that I've been playing a different game. I've been just like, I've just been playing a different game as everybody else. And I started to realize that, again, subconsciously, I had been using authenticity sort of as my secret weapon, as my coping mechanism of not being, you know, not having the resume everybody else had, not being willing to to travel every week. And instead, you know, I was getting the best talent because I was this really genuine, fun, like easy to talk to leader. I wasn't a stuffy executive. I was winning these massive negotiations Literally by, you know, sort of using what I knew best, which was authenticity, I was getting noticed by executives because I would go into these meetings and I would use authenticity, I would kind of, you know, wear some of our, our faults on my sleeve where other people were like, uh, you know, sort of giving the, you know, the the cover story of like, all the good things that are happening, the propaganda, as I was, call, I would call it. Mm-hmm. So, when I, when I decided to leave corporate and actually didn't know what I was going to do, I was actually doing something else, building an app, which then I realized I don't like to build shit. Um, And it sort of finally hit me that, you know, all those years I had sort of thought, well, this, this corporate BS, right. The politics and the executive presence and the matrix and all the, you know, the sort of stuff you have to play was, was just, part of the game. It's something you had to do. And when I realized that, no, you actually don't have to do it. And if you don't, you're going to have better results, like a win-win. I was like, that's, that's what I'm meant to do. I'm meant to go out there and give permission, teach, um, talk about authenticity also as not some fluffy, Adjective, some unicorn doo doo that's permission to be yourself, but as something more nuanced than I knew it was. Um, so that's who I am. I've spent the last three and a half years running The Authentic Inc. Um, and through that, I'm a speaker, I, I coach Sultan, I call it. I, you know, I do corporate workshops, I'm a podcaster, wrote a book, all the things, all just trying to basically make corporate America less shitty.
0: <laughs> uh, thank goodness. I've actually never worked in corporate America, but I do have close friends who have, and I've gotten to hear all the fun stories about what that's like. And so when I listen to you, I definitely can understand. I think what's so interesting is that no matter if it's corporate or like I work in entertainment, you always feel like there's a sacrifice. You always, I was literally just feeling that yesterday and thinking about how much everyone sacrifices for their job. Um, In entertainment, it's so sacrificial. I mean, your body, how many hours you're working, the elements. I mean, the last two days of the shoot were like major element days where you're just in extreme cold and then extreme heat. They're really long hours. You're just exhausted and it's very sacrificial. So it's either it's that scale or it's traveling all the time or it's moving your family like you talked about and how all of us feel like so... Gosh, sacrificial really is the perfect word, but we do feel that we need to sacrifice our families and our lives and our time and our happiness and our bodies so Mm. that we can do this job. And at the end of the day, are you even happy with it? Or is it just providing you the money to have the stuff that you want? Or in my case, I'm always like, yes, let's retire. Let's have the retirement all set up. That's important. Mm. But like, where is the rest of your life and when are you going to live it? So. Clearly, that um, well, happened to you. <laughs> and it, well, and it's so interesting because I talk
1: um, a lot about sort of making an impact on corporate America and all the BS. But having been an entrepreneur now for three and a half years, um, and having talked to special operation forces in the military, to college students, to entrepreneurs, to corporate folks, the reality is the the formula, if you will, or the the what I teach around doing things your own way is applicable to everything, including it's so funny because I just had an epiphany last week where I was like, okay, I am gung-ho on this authenticity. It's about imperfection. It's about being messy on purpose to connect to people, like all these principles. And then I was like, Oh my God, I get so stressed out when I have people over to my house. We love to have people here. We have a great entertaining house, but as soon as I do it, I'm like, oh, the kitchen table's a mess and we've got to clean up this. Right. And I was like, it hit me. I was like, WTF? Like, what am I doing? Actually the same principles, because when people come to my house, what do you think they love more? Coming to a perfectly like shining house that probably has a bunch of stuff in the closets and thinking, oh, she's great. Just like in corporate America, somebody that says all the buzzwords. Or do you think, People love coming to my house more if it's representative of their house and makes them feel comfortable and makes them feel like they can kick off their shoes. So all that to say is the kind of what I talk about is, you know, there's not many places it's not applicable.
0: Absolutely. So let's talk about when you've had that moment, as you did, I'm sure we were like, I just can't do corporate anymore. I got to go. I can't do this. What happened exactly?
1: Yeah, it's funny. My, I think my story is a little different than most. Um, it wasn't. I've had it with this BS. I've had it with like the the allergy that I have to working in it didn't didn't manifest itself until later until I was out. Um, and and that allergy is just you know it's a personal allergy now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was more about I had always in my career. I've been at the same corporate company, uh, for 22 years, even though I had taken on these different roles and eventually run one of their subsidiaries, I always got this itch. It was about every, when I was younger, it was about every two or three years. When I got a little bit older, it was like every three or four years and it took me a while to diagnose it, but what would happen would be, and this happens to so many people and know it's okay. That's why I'm going to share this. Mm -hmm. I, I would start to, I literally would have like two, like an angel and devil on my shoulder. And the, the angel would sort of be like, Aaron, oh my God, you like enjoy the ride. Like you finally, you're an expert in what you do. Things come easy. People respect you. You don't, you know, you can read an email in a hot second and respond, like, enjoy this time. You've earned it. You've finally gotten there. And then the devil on my other shoulder would be like, you're lazy. You're so like, you're not gung ho Aaron. You're not like. You know, the normal kick-ass Aaron that does everything above and beyond, like you just kind of going with the flow and it would sort of say to me, you got to find something else. And, and so what I learned about myself and I've learned about a lot of people I've, I've coached, this happens to so many people is like, we're so conflicted because the should is. This is when I should stay. I work so darn hard, even in entrepreneurship. Like I've developed this program and it's running smoothly and people are joining it or, you know, whatever that craft is that now is humming. But, but a lot of us then think, but why am I not energized? Why does it feel harder? Why do I not feel like I'm doing my work? And it's because so many of us are stimulated by the challenge, stimulated by the unknown, stimulated by the beginning, the front the, you know, the black box. And once I finally realized that and came to peace with it um, throughout my career, that's when I would say, okay, like I would go have this conversation sooner about what's my next role. And so that's essentially what happened to me, but it happened to me on a totally different level. So I remember distinctly sitting in office of at the time uh, she was the president of Aetna. She's now the, the CEO of, of CVS Health. Um, so she runs a 300,000 person organization. And she was a big sponsor of mine. So this was a big deal. She had time. She wanted to meet with me. And I knew I was sort of itching for something else. And I remember her being like, well, what about this? What about that? It was almost like if you're at the re- a restaurant, I don't know if I'm weird, but like when I'm going through a menu, I'm like sort of fake trying on like the stuff in my mouth, like nope, cheeseburger doesn't sound good today. Or nope, <laughs> no, nope, I'm not in the mood for tacos, right? You sort of run through, oh, does that salad taste good? No, nope, no, nope, that's not what I'm going to order today. And that was happening to me, but Jackie, like nothing tasted well. And I remember at one point, I'm like, oh my God, I look like such a negative Nelly. So I remember one response would be like, "Mm, I don't think that's for me. And then the next response, I would be like, well, what I like about that is this, but what I'm not sure about is this, because I didn't want to just constantly being like, no, no, no. And so I realized that the itch, the the need for this exponential learning and growth that drove me just wasn't going to be fulfilled there. you know, another leadership role. Yeah. It might've been a different product, different type of pricing, different customers, but it was kind of the same formula. And it wasn't, my rule always was take something that's 50% uncomfortable. And I just couldn't find that. And so it was a combination of that. It was a combination of, um, you know, just really wanting to explore something new and knowing every year it would be harder, Mm -hmm. especially if somebody, if I was going to go work for maybe a smaller startup or something like 22 years at the same company, uh, 23, 24. Right. Um, and then it's funny. Um, I was, I was thinking about it. It was all in my head and I went uh, on a business trip and I sat next to this amazing woman on a plane and, you know, the free therapy that, that we got, you know, back then, and hopefully we'll come back. Um, and she had left her corporate job, like 20 years earlier. So she had done about 10 years and then she was an entrepreneur, ran her own HR um, outsourcing kind of company. And I'm asking her question after question, after question, after question. And finally I was like, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm so intrigued. I'm so interested. And and here's why I'm thinking about leaving and doing something else. And as soon as it like spilled out of my mouth, I could hear it louder than in my head.
0: Mm -hmm. And I was like,
1: oh, but that would be really stupid right now. My reputation's at an all-time high. Like, you know, they're offering me all these opportunities. And I just sort of started to retract my statement. And she just looked at me so succinctly, so matter-of-factly, like without a pause and said, who says this is the top? And it was like the metaphor, it, it, it just literally opened in front of my eyes immediately I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't know what it's like to walk up the path of that mountain. And I don't know what the view might look like from this mountain range. It was like, I was standing in the the Rockies or in the Alps. And I, and it, it immediately hit me that the reality is I had so much more of my life to explore. And as cheesy as it sounds, that single question, maybe rhetorical question, um, really gave me the courage to to go out and find out what was next. So it wasn't, you know, I wasn't running from per se, but I was really running uh, in a way that I knew was going to stimulate me and get me back to the best errand that I know I can be.
0: I think what's so interesting about that is that I'm thinking of a person who's In a job right now in corporate, who's like, I'm actually like okay, but I'm really bored and I don't feel challenged, but I'm not like wanting to leave or do something different per se. What I think is so great about your experience is that when you talk about authenticity, this isn't necessarily always about what more can you do? It's more about putting yourself in more of an uncomfortable place by being exactly who you are and letting go of the survival that most people feel in their jobs in order to fit in and to do all the things that are all the rules that we you know are uh-huh. supposed to know. And what's really beautiful and challenging and could totally take away the boredom is if you were just yourself. And this person is telling you like, that what if this isn't it like what if there's so much more and it's so hard to even imagine more when you have hit that point of but wait no I'm getting everything I want I'm an expert in my field all of this is what I've been working towards why <laughs> what why yeah like why would I potentially quote mess this up? or change it, you know, it's working, yeah. but I'm so bored and not fulfilled, or it just feels like I'm not being challenged, or you just know you're not happy. And this could be seriously, I am just thinking of so many different people that I've come across in different fields and different, you know, um, businesses where this is really applicable, where they're just like, I don't know what to do. But if you did start becoming more of yourself, and just showing up, now, it's like the filter goes away and then suddenly you're that person. And it's like, well, what would happen if that would, you know, come out and people could see that. Yeah. Um, how did you feel? Because you always were your, your person, which is a great person. Obviously, obviously it's great. But like, how did you feel working with people who were struggling with this and wanting to be authentic, but weren't even sure where to begin?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, um, a couple things. I think you make a great point there's so many layers of what I talk about around authenticity and, and, and probably the biggest thread is just to stop the should stop the, the, you know, the formula, whether that's a formula in a meeting or a formula for what you think is supposed to be your job Mm -hmm. and career projection, right? It's, it's doing things your own way. And, you know, what I would have found with a lot of people is that, they, one, and especially in the corporate world, there's no time for introspection. Period. There just isn't. Your 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 meeting schedules. Your it's got it's gotten so layered. And I would I really say in the last 15 years, ever since we hit the financial crisis, is where I've seen it change the most. Uh, the first time I think ever where there were mass layoffs, and then companies got addicted to being able to have one person to do essentially three jobs. Um, That's really where I saw it start back in like 2008. And so one, you know, when I work with people, especially in corporate, I think um, the time for introspection, the time for true growth and learning is so much more uh, limited and less likely um, than it is in the entrepreneurship world. I don't know. I just, you know, I sit on both sides of the fences. And so one, just giving them the space to figure out what, what makes them tick um, and, and giving them permission to do things their their own freaking way. Um, that, that's like the foundation of, of authenticity. And then it's really, you know, what I love to do is teach people also that it's not, this is why I feel so passionate. We've all read a good zillion like online articles about various topics. I read a lot about authenticity because that's my obsession A lot around leadership, a lot, a lot in general, and they're very fluffy. They're like, you need to be, you know, compassionate, and you need to think about your employees first, and you need to like all these noble qualities. And I'm like, nobody, like, not that nobody has the time for that, but that doesn't change people. Mm. And so, and I'm not a very disciplined person, so I think I can understand this the most. I've had great success, and I'm not very disciplined. But what I do well is I help people get change their addiction really. Um, It's not, you know, not changing because you're some noble person. It's changing your addiction. And when I teach authenticity, I teach it with these tangible, like I have an acronym called humans, but I have these tangible things that I have people do. And I'll tell you the gateway drug I use, it's so stupid, silly. Like I, I, it's almost ridiculous that so many people love this and it stands out, but one of the gateway drugs that you can do in any, any, profession you're in is changing your out of office. Like that is the gateway drug out of offices are like a graveyard for the most boring mechanical lying. Like, I me out of the office. If you need immediate question. And it's like, why for an email that sadly goes to probably hundreds of people a day, right? <laughs> um, why are we still doing this? It's just a micro, 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 micro example mm-hmm. of this bigger problem which is, you know, somebody wrote an out of office back in, you know, 1996 when email first came out and they're like, Oh, what's this feature out of office. and somebody somewhere was like, oh, I'm going to take a crack at it. I won't be out of the office. And everybody else is like, Oh, that's what I have to do. Yeah, and yeah. I'm being really dramatic, but it's like I said, it's a microcosm. And so I get people just to start by doing little things like that. And I start to work them up to like an intriguing intro where we get rid of the like, you're in a meeting and they're like, tell me about yourself. And you're like, well, I first started in project management and did that for eight years. And then it, and, and, and nobody's listening to you because they're trying to think of their introduction. And so I start to teach them how to use these elements of humility and storytelling and things that are really the foundation of authenticity. And I, I believe in that, not because I'm trying to make everybody all have this same formula but if you start to do that and you start to see things like I mean, i'll tell you you change your out of office people will respond to you i have this svp that i did a i did a workshop for this group this guy is in his 60s very successful svp at a major consulting firm and he's he's sent me like two of his out of offices like the next month one of them was right before i had a keynote and i like get an email and he's like look at the latest one i did and he's like so <laughs> proud here at 60 yeah. some years old, but people are proud, not because of what they did, because of the reactions they get. People go, oh my God, that's so refreshing. Oh my God, Kelly, have great time over on your trip with the hair. I hope your, you know tra- your boring training went well. And so all that to say is when I work with people or organizations, at the end of the day, I'm truly trying to change their addiction to where they can start to see if they just you know, step outside the norm a little bit, they just start to do things more human. start to do things. Like I say, you know, using the 50% rule where they're like, well, here's how it was done before half of it works. But the other half, I'm going to change it up and do it differently so that people pay attention so that we innovate, etc. And then once you start doing that, um, it's just it's all downhill from there, because it's that stimulus, that response. And then you're just like, I'm just going to keep trying to do that. I'm going to keep trying to do that. Um, and that's really how I, you know, I help people, whether it's they're stuck in a job that they don't realize they're just simply not stimulated or it's, you know, they're trying to get results in their business. It's really about finding those moments uh, to to buck the norm, getting them addicted and then sending them on their way.
0: I just love it because like, if I read someone's, you know, out of office email and it was like, Oh my gosh, they seem so fun or so cool or some something, right? Like something is triggered and now you suddenly feel closer to them. You just instantly do. You feel like you know them better. They feel more attainable, like that you could talk to them. And like you said there's such there's such a barrier with the way that we look and dress and act and speak and write and it shouldn't be like that because everybody is really just wanting connection in a workplace so desperately i think most people feel very alone if they aren't connected to their team and you know even yesterday i'm just like looking around at all of us like on set i'm like we're all really tired and really in our own little world and it was like we were all our lone like islands but together and that's any industry right so just starting with with the place of openness and fun. I really keep feeling like there's just more fun to be had, you know, and if you can humility,
1: it. humility, which is like, so I have six, six principles, which spells humans and humility is the first one. Humility Jackie is a, it's a Disney, like fast pass. I don't think they have that anymore, but it's like a fast. <laughs> yeah. Connection. And, you know, but people all think, you know, you read the online article, it's like be humble. It's like, okay, yes, yes, be humble. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. But I actually teach use humility as your fast pass connect to connection. So, so for example, I do it so naturally now, but I cannot get on a conversation. Like you're like, introduce yourself. My immediate is like, oh my God, I have to give a humility moment first. And it's, it's, it's sort of just wired in me because if I start, if I start with, I was a former CEO that, you know, took the company from 17 million to 50 million, but like people are going to be like, "I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm nothing like her. But if instead, like I always start, you saw my keynote, like I, I start about, I have this whole bit and talk about how I miserably failed my actuarial exams and failed in my first profession. And I do that purposely because as soon as you purposely use humility and it can be as big as that, or it can be as small as like, oh, I tripped coming, by the way, I tripped coming into my office, you know, cause I was late for, you know, the zoom call It immediately to your point about you guys all sitting around in silos. It, it you're like, oh, oh, you're just, you're just like me. Like I'm, I'm super clutzy too, or I'm super messy. And, and so I, you know, to the connection thing, I mean, humility is one of my favorite of the six principles because it's like it's such a quick, and I've done it with so many different groups and do it in workshops. I do it with C-suite, SVP, uh, you know, regular leaders. I've watched them all. And it is fascinating to watch how it unlocks, you know, something in someone. I had one C-suite group and we started with a humility moment. They had to introduce themselves. And um, the first were safe, like the first three or four were pretty safe. And I was like, rolling my eyes, you know, not, not, they weren't watching, but I was internally rolling my eyes. And then like the fourth or fifth person finally they gave a real humility moment. And they actually talked about getting a D in college in, you know, in their field of where they're in the CC, right? <laughs> like not in like, oh, I was a mathematics major, but I was, you know, I got a D in sociology. Yeah. And immediately, Jackie, I watched the unlocking happen. Then somebody else piped up. Oh, don't worry, I got a D. And then the like the next humility moments were deeper and more real. And then you know throughout the workshop, they were they were connected. And so it's just so fascinating. And then I teach people, you know, how to like okay, so that unlocked it. How do you then put that into these places like your LinkedIn profile, like your business introductions? How do you sort of you know more strategically weave it into a story? Um, for success. And it's, you know, it's mind boggling how much more effective it is versus coming in and, you know, trying to look like the perfect entrepreneur or the perfect, you know, CEO.
0: Gosh, seriously. And all I can imagine too, is what a relief it feels to start doing this and just be, have the humility, be yourself. And then the growth that would happen just as a human where you're like, I get to just be me. Okay, cool. I'm going to like be me a little bit more and a little bit more. Like, what do you see? How do you see people grow? Like how do they blossom almost?
1: Yeah. And it's funny because what the way I rewire people is actually coming in and sort of rewiring the fact that we think that authenticity is for us first, Mm. right? We think it's a permission and it's like, well, it's risky. My business might, might not do well, or I might not, you know, get the promotion, but uh, it's important for me to be myself. And so then people don't do it because they're like, that sounds great for me, but what if, you know, ultimately it doesn't work. And actually the real power of authenticity, the way I teach it is that authenticity actually isn't about you. It's about the other person. It's about doing it purposely to connect with them, to build trust, to wake them up from their slumber um, Mm -hmm. to get their innovative brain going. You know, people that are authentic don't just do it. They don't walk around like they would, you know, in their bedroom or at their friend's pool party. They do it in a way consciously or subconsciously that is meant to, to buck the norm so that other people can progress. And, And actually the formula is simple. Like just think about what other people want or what they're sick of like give them that. And, but to your point, what happens then, if you first can have the mindset that you're acting with authenticity, isn't about you. It's about the other person. And it's about the growth of them. Then it all comes back to you. And then you're like, and to your point, that felt great. That yeah. felt natural that I felt like I was in my flow. And so that's where you end up. But if you can change your mindset that you're actually not starting there, it, it's a subtle change, but it, it, it then it's an absolute win-win.
0: It could just unlock the rest of your life. I, I'm sorry, but I could really see this going so much further than just the workplace and just who, who you are connecting with at work. I mean, I could really see, and I think that the pandemic showed a lot of us what that could look like and being ourselves and having, I know I had a chance to just exhale and be like wow, what do I really want to do? Like mm. legitimately, like what is not working now that I've had some time to just relax and get off the hamster wheel. I can imagine that people who are like doing this and actually becoming more authentic are like, wow. So when I'm myself, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. <laughs> Depends on what, you know, you're, you're doing. Um, and what's like coming out of you, like, what is your authentic self coming out as, but There's two things I'm thinking, like, either that's going to be incredible and you're going to be like, wow, you know what? This is not the field for me or whatever. Maybe a relationship, you know, go on. Um, And I need to move on. But I can also see how someone might get scared and think, what if I did lose everything? Because I just became my authentic self. Like, what do you say to that? Have have you come across that before?
1: Yeah, what I would say to that is, again, you know, well, first, let me take a step back.
0: You know, authenticity
1: isn't simply being yourself. That's not the definition. It's not the same as transparency. Um, the root of the word, the Greek word, since I'm married into the Greek family, is authenticos, and authenticos means to be genuine. But it also means to be original and authoritative. Mm-hmm. So it's a really important distinction because. So many people think of it as, I'm just going to go in and be totally transparent. I'm going to tell them what I worried about last night. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do, you know, I'm just going to blab on about my weekend because that's what I would do with my friends. That's not actually authenticity. And if we think about the people that we think of authentic, they are, they have that genuine, but they also are constantly creating the new norm, right? They're original in the sense of like, they don't just go through the motions. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's also this authoritativeness, right. They're, they're, uh, again, they're, they're, they're being authentic on purpose almost, whether it's Mm -hmm. conscious or subconscious. And so when, when people, you know, think about it, you know, they always ask me, is there a risk of being too authentic? And I'm like, you're, no, there's a risk of being too transparent. They're not the same thing. Being too authentic, if you really understand the richness and the and the power of the word, it's really important. And And just, I want to back up on this because what you said too about people sort of part of this is realizing whether or not they're on the right path. And I think it has a couple of prongs. I think, yes, some people might say, I have been chasing a dream. That's totally not mine. Um, I know you've been a little bit through that journey, right? Like I should have myself into a certain path, whether that's, you know, in the acting industry or that's in corporate America, but there's also, this isn't binary. And, and I'll tell you a story because it's easier. And that's one of my principles is narration and storytelling to understand it. But I'll tell you back when I was in corporate, um, before I became CEO, the year before, my boss asked me if I wanted to be um, considered for the next COO position. He was leaving and wanted to recommend me as a, his successor. And I, in like a hot second, said, no, thank you. And I, you know, and then he, we kind of talked and he played it really well. I was like, well, who's plan B? And then he told me plan B. I was like, well played. I hated, I hated plan B. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I said, well, let me think about it over the weekend. And when I finally, you know, after stopped listening to everybody I was asking the question to, I'm going, okay, they don't really know the answer. Only I know the answer. I realized that I wasn't afraid of the job because I didn't think, you know, I, it wasn't imposter syndrome that I couldn't do it, that I couldn't lean in to figure it out. I was actually saying no, because I didn't want to become the person the executive's sort of ahead of it. I was looking at these people, right? And I call this the compromise calculation where you just sort of assume too that you're gonna have to do it the same way. You're gonna have to look the same way. You're gonna have to you know, have the same risks, whether that's risk to your marriage because you're traveling too much or risk to your soul because you're acting like a dork or whatever it is. And it finally hit me. And this is probably the most important lesson I think because I just keep using it over and over and over again even in my new life. I realized you shouldn't not do something because you hate the way it was done before Mm. that instead you can do it your own way. And I bring this up because I am, nothing is binary in this world, period, end of story. You know, you name it to me, nothing's binary. Um, and I think with that as well, and I I really caution people to think through first that lens and not be like, well, I just hate this corporate BS or I'm not meant to be a lawyer. Or I'm not meant to be, you know, in marketing or whatever. And first kind of question, like, is it because you just assume you have to do it the same way and the same way, whether that's personally or professionally or a combination is something that just doesn't feel right to you? And if instead you say, well, I know the end goal. I just had this conversation with somebody in my gym. We were talking out in the parking lot. She's like, wait, what do you do? And you have a book. And she's like, I just got this new job. I start on Monday and she was at a university. And she's like, they put me into this like sales role. And I don't, and after we talked it all through, I was like, you understand what the goal is. And they put you in for a reason, knowing that you don't have this background. Mm. But you can do it your own way. And don't, don't be nervous about the job or even dreading the job because you don't want to do the formula somebody else did before. Because most of the time, the formulas all need to be constantly rewritten. Yeah. So that you know that's that's part of what I would say is there's layers to this. And you really have to question. I'll tell you, when I thought about doing, I'm kind of in the career and leadership space, right? I completely avoided it. In my head, people would even tell me, you'd be really great if you said, and I was like, hell no, I am not going to be, there's a, there's a godzillion of these and I'm going to be really snarky here because sometimes I'm snarky, like former HR people all running around with their feathered hair and their (laughs) shoulder pads that have been doing this for 40 years. That's not me. I'm not doing career and leadership. And this is the same, that's why I say this lesson. And then finally, when I kind of all started putting together, I'm like, but you don't have to do it the way they did it, Aaron. Like, what do you not like about it? Well, I think it's boring. Well, make it not boring. I think a lot of the stuff they do is long and make your stuff not long, make it short and bicep. You know, I love to speak. A lot of them, you know, don't have that that facet. And so, you know, it even came up for me as I turned to entrepreneurship where I was like, nope, not going to do that because I had this picture of this industry that just wasn't me. I couldn't stand out like, Felt like a sellout. And then I was like, well, wait a minute. Why don't I do it my own way? So
0: mm-hmm. that's,
1: that's my rant about, you know, not just thinking about this in binary terms.
0: That makes so much sense. And I'm so glad you said that story because that really, to me, solidified what authenticity actually is versus transparency. Mm-hmm. Guys, you need to go get her book. Tell people how they can find you, tell them about your book and all of this stuff. Cause, Aaron, you're just oh. freaking the best.
1: Thank you. Yes. Yeah, so you can find me at beauthenticinc.com and it's just the letter B authenticinc.com and kind of all my things. Um, yeah. The book I wrote, it's called you do you ish, which <laughs> is, you know, kind of a play on like this. you It's not just you do you, right. It's more nuanced. Um, and I wrote it. It was a, my pandemic baby. I started writing it in March of 2020, released it in February of last year, 2021. And um, if I can be totally honest, um, it's way better than I thought it would be. (laughs) I say that that because people pour their hearts out to me um, of how much it impacted them, how much it made them laugh. It is very snarky. It has got several F-bombs. In fact, my son, I was writing it and he was whatever. It doesn't matter. He was nine or 10 at the time. And he was sitting in the office and he's like, mom, who's going to read your book? And I was like, well, these kind of people are these kind of people. And then he's like, I said, are you going to read my book? And he's like, if you let me with all the swears, I know are in it. Um, so it's, it's got a few, few swears. Um, but it's, you know, I really wrote it just like everything else. Like, what am I sick of? Right. That's the formula to authenticity. I'm sick of the nonfiction books that are all like, perfect perfect and snoozy snoozy uh and just written to look good and so I really combined um just some people that I love like Jen Sincero's um You Are a Badass I've ever read that best yep. yep. like you know like her she gave me permission to be sassy and to be different and to you know not you know I can't write like Glennon Doyle so don't write like Glennon Doyle like it's not sing-songy it's not you know poetic it's Thank like you. it's just me talking so um, yeah. And, and, and then I did the audio book this year as well. So I recorded that and just released that. So You Do You-ish. I also have a podcast called Because Work Doesn't Have to Suck. And I don't know, I have all the things. We just did research, which I'm really excited about. Um, but check out the site. And like I always tell people, first of all, don't read my book because you have to read it when you're inspired. Don't do anything. Like pick up the thing that, you know, most speaks to you. And I hope I can just give you a little bit of a nudge uh, towards, you know, being more authentic and and doing more authentic.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Remember, sharing is caring. Make sure to rate the podcast and leave a review. We really rely on this to help get the podcast out there. Also, make sure to watch the video version on YouTube at That Girl, The Podcast.